Thanks for listening to our podcast today. This is episode number 10 of the Rise Up Mentoring Podcast. The thing about personal branding is that are you so memorable? Are you so effective? Are you so dynamic? Are you so infectious that people remember you, want to work with you, want to refer you, want to be around you? That's how you build your personal brand. Later on, if you want, we can talk about the tools, how to do that. So I tell college students, you have to, your job is to go to college. You're not working most of you full time. But my challenge to you all is, can you be so memorable? Can you be so impactful? Can you be such an asset either in the classroom, on the campus, to your peers, in your internships, that by the time you graduate, a company is drooling to have you work for them? Rise Up Mentoring was created to help students get the advice and encouragement they need to successfully graduate and prepare for their careers and life overall. Listen to the conversations of students and successful mentors to become the best version of you. Get the helpful advice that everyone else seems to already have and that you wish someone would have shared with you. This week, I had the opportunity to speak with Ramon Ray of Smart Hustle Magazine. Ramon is a four-time entrepreneur and has established himself as an expert on personal branding. Joining Ramon for this interview is Keisha Kyle and Amber Deal. Keisha Kyle is a senior at the University of Houston, planning to become a human resources specialist. And Amber Deal is a junior finance major at Prairie View A&M University. Listen closely to the amazing advice that Ramon shares with Keisha and Amber and get some great advice in the first five minutes on how you can stand out from those around you. This is Norman Brown, your host of the Rise Up Mentoring Podcast. Ramon, I saw you at the Black Enterprise Entrepreneur Summit and sat through one of your sessions on branding. And one of the things that you talked about, one of the comparisons was between taxis and Ubers and how Uber has taken over the market. No one even thinks about calling for a taxi anymore. I don't think I can even name a taxi company because Uber has been so phenomenal at taking over the market. But one of the things that I wanted us to discuss was how can we take some of the same principles and apply them from a personal perspective, particularly if you're a college student? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, if you take the point of context, just I'll repeat of what I was saying is that uh, when you land from an airport and go on the curb, most everyone there, especially those who use apps and who are digitally comfortable, that's so one tip there is to have a right target audience, is people get out, how can I take an Uber? End of story. Very few people anywhere in an urban area of America. I was in Hyderabad, India a month ago. Same thing. Oh, Mr. Ray, go get an Uber, take you downtown. Wherever Uber is at in a highly dense place, it's Uber, Uber, Uber. So how do they do that? Because, again, one, they had a great product. Two, it's easy to use. Three, it's a great cost. And, of course, it works and they're flooding the market and it's going viral. People are sharing, sharing, sharing. So taxis now, no one's using it. So that's the context that I was making. So in regard to personal branding in general, I see it that you're an individual selling XYZ or a professional, or a college student, we'll get to in a minute. The thing about personal branding is that, are you so memorable? Are you so effective? Are you so dynamic? Are you so infectious that people remember you, want to work with you, want to refer you, want to be around you? That's how you build your personal brand. Later on, if you want, we can talk about the tools, how to do that. So I tell college students, you have to, your job is to go to college. You're not working most of you full time. But my challenge to you all is, can you be so memorable? Can you be so impactful? Can you be such an asset either in the classroom, on the campus, to your peers, in your internships, that by the time you graduate, 
a company is drooling to have you work for them. So in essence, that was my point about building a personal brand. And as an example, what Uber has done to taxis or other brands, how they've trounced Amazon, how they've trounced other industries. College students, small businesses, entrepreneurs can do that as well. Man, that was awesome. You mentioned that there are some tools. What are some examples of tools that someone can use to make themselves stand out? Sure. And to be clear, the tool is secondary. I'll give you some tools, but I think that just the tool of a warm handshake, a ready smile, being clear, being happy, being excited about what you do, just that alone can make the case. Having said that, uh, some tools I would use, a simple website. Uh, There's Wix, which is a great website building platform. WordPress, there's Squarespace. Um, I'm a firm, so that's one. The use of social media, these tools are free, at least your time you have to pay for, but I'm a firm believer in Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat. Whichever tool you want to use is not so important, but you can start to spread your ideas, start to spread who you are through the power of video and imagery on social media. For video and and things like that, I use tools like Magisto, M-A-G-I-S-T-O, Ripple, R-I-P-L, and other tools like that, Animoto, to help me do more video and imagery. PicLab, P-I-C-L-A-B, a great tool for imagery. So combining your own personality with telegraphing that and sharing that to the power of social media, a website, an email newsletter, a blog, that is how you start to build your personal brand. You can stretch that, of course, by doing a, doing a book, doing an event series, but that's how you build your personal brand. I'd like for us to address a slightly different scenario. One of the things that I've seen in corporate America, especially when you get into large meetings, are the individuals that sit back and are simply wallflowers or silent participators, and they never participate and speak up. I definitely push this point when I speak to college students. You can't make an impact and become memorable if you don't speak up because no one ever hears you say anything. That is so important. My sister was on tour at a big financial institution one day, you know, with a group of other students, and I said, Joanna... Did you talk? She was being getting a tour by, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the hiring manager. So I said, did you talk to the guy? Get his card? Give him your card and make an impression? Well, I was shy. I didn't want to, you know, look stupid or whatever kind of she was saying. I understood it. But the point is, there's three kinds of people. Those people, like most people, who are average people. People, and that's a few people, who are low-class, moronic idiots. And then there are people that rise to the occasion, that are memorable, that are noticed in a good way, that people remember and want to work with. And everybody has opportunity to do that. But you have to, as you said, speak up, raise your hand. Now, you don't have to be crazy. You don't have to be a jerk and take all the oxygen out of the room. But asking a question, asking a smart question, asking, can I clean up after the event? Saying, hey, could you help me with this? You follow what I mean? So being in their grill and planted in their mind you're so right, Norman, man. You've got to ask questions. Get out there. Don't be invisible or you will be invisible. Okay, so I have a question. Um, is personal branding and selling yourself the same thing? Because in college, they say you have to sell yourself. They don't say create your personal brand. They say they tell you to sell yourself. So is it basically the same thing? I believe it is the same. I believe that those who have a strong personal brand have the big ability to sell themselves. And I believe those that are effective at selling themselves definitely have some sort of a strong personal brand. So, Ramon, how do you figure that out? That's one of the conversations I seem to have quite often with students. They never seem to have the answer when I ask them what makes them different from their friends. 
What makes you special? What makes you the person that I should recruit for employment? And they very rarely have an answer at all, let alone a good one. How do you come up with that answer or decipher what sets you apart? Yeah, no, this is a great question. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I must say to those who are uh, shy, to those who are not extrovert, as it were, to those who are kind of want to stay back, there's nothing wrong with you. And that's how God made you. You're the quieter side. That's okay. You can still be impactful in a different way. But I must say it's easier for sure for those who have a bit of uh, braggado, for those who have a bit of a confidence in them and those who can shine a bit more. So I must say that is really the way to start by, by really having that clarity of, and not everybody will, will, will know what they want to do. So if the younger you are, you may not know where you want to be. So I would just say, wait and listen and learn as you're doing today, if you're hearing my voice and those of us on this podcast. But I would say for those of you who say, Ramon, I'm 17 years old. I'm 21 years old. At this moment in time, here's what I'd like to do. I say start doing it. Write a few blog posts. Write your first maybe mini three-page ebook, et cetera, et cetera. So I say start that journey of building your brand, of being noticed, of being an impact, of giving back to others. Um, so they tell you to create a three-minute speech selling yourself. So your three-minute speech is basically your personal brand? It depends on the context, but in this discussion, it could be. So, I mean, it could be a three-minute speech about why you failed college. So, but depending on the context, yes, if it's a pitch like that, and what I would do, uh, and, and again, Keisha, thank you for being with us and taking the time uh, to be here today, is that I would recommend if they give you three minutes, do it in two minutes, and you will crush the stage. Do it in two minutes, two minutes and 30 seconds. And yes, I think a couple things. A, start up with a story. One day I woke up and I couldn't breathe. I was choking in my bed. And I realized at that time, I had to eat more healthy. My name is Jane Doe, and that's why I have a healthy snack company. I'm making it up. So my point is, start with a story to connect people. Point two, quickly make a connection to someone in the audience. And so as I look today and see your red sweater, that reminds me so much of my grandmother, what she told me, blah, 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 blah. So connect with someone. Point three, why should people care about you? Why? There's 10 people on stage. Who cares about you? And that's how I deliver that two minutes and three minutes. And sometimes the shortest messages, the shortest presentations are the most impactful and best. As I think Mark Twain or somebody famous like that said, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. Something like that, it says. So... <laughs> I had a few questions first about debunking the stereotypical black female and black male in the um, corporate America setting. Because I've interned in New York and I'm, I'm soon to intern in Michigan and it's con it's an automatic stereotype when coming in as a black female. I've had colleagues come and tell me that people have automatically assumed that they were always angry when coming to work. And that's certainly not the case. And it's just their normal faces and normal innuendos that we may find normal may not be so normal to everyone else. But how do we walk the line, if you will, in corporate America without overstepping or, or looking as if we're overstepping our sure, if you will? Yeah, great question. I assume then one of the stereotypes you're referring to is the aspect of being 
Well, what is just just to clarify, what is the one or two? Let's not list all one or two stereotypes that you find with uh, black males and black females. And if they're different, black females have one, black males have another. Just cl- just clarify, clarify what that uh, stereotype might be. That well, one of them is that black women automatically come to work mad or angry and okay. are simple gestures may be presented as as having an attitude or um, coming off super strong or just being very bold and that's sometimes that's just not even the case like I've had people come to me like wow like you're very strong forward and you're like straightforward and strong and like in your face and it's really just me being me and how do I gauge that how do I fix that if you will great question yeah, so taking that example, but I will step back a minute. I think that I believe, and again, any, if y'all want to cut off this podcast right now and shoot me in the head, that's fine. I believe that stereotypes, in large part, are in some way based on fact. That's just my opinion. I believe when a large group of people think another group of people are all thieves, there's some reason for it. When a group of people think all group of people twiddle pencils on their fingers, there, there's some truth to that. When a group of people think some people kidnap kids in a white van, <laughs> then there's some truth to that. That just let's just let's just be be truthful about it. Let's just be truthful. Let's not hide and say no. So stereotypes and innuendos sometimes, and it could be truths that are now no longer valid, but having an understanding if that makes sense. What I'm trying to say, I, I would assume that a certain type of person may not run, but a guy who's built and athletic. Looks like he can run. So my point is that's, that's one thing. That's not always true, but I'm just saying that's I, I, having. So one, we, the person who has the stereotype, I believe must come from a point of compassion. Mm-hmm. Point number two, I, I the stereotypes that I may feel truthfully or not in my own career, when I go to an event, maybe they don't. For example, one day I was handed a pair of car keys and asked to park a car. I didn't take offense at that because at that event, a bunch of young guys who were black and thin and look young were parking the cars. They weren't the keynote speaker. <laughs> it didn't offend me because I was like, okay, I get it. He didn't know I was the keynote speaker. And I, I could have taken his car and driven home in a second car, but I didn't. I just politely said, oh, I'm not the valet. The valet's over there. No problem. So I had understanding. So that's point one. Have an understanding. Point two, don't take it so uh, strong. And now you're seeing the first two things to do. I'm putting on us as people, whether black or white or whatever, meaning I'm saying we need to do better. So that's, that's point one. I think point three, excelling at our work and crushing it. That is the best way to get rid of stereotypes for our people, as it were, whether we represent secretaries, we represent accountants, we represent black people. We represent Koreans, whoever the group, because we all represent groups. I represent left-handed people. Everything we do to negate a stereotype is in the win column. And, and so that's point number three or four I would make, is that we simply sometimes have to do better. And I'll give another example. And feel free, you guys are leading the discussion. Cut me off anytime if you want to move on. But for example, there was a little girl going to the bathroom. It was in a thin hallway with doors very close to the male and female bathroom. I saw her going to the bathroom. I stopped, went back three feet where it was well lit and there were video cameras and people. And I waited for her to go in the door. In fact, I may have waited for her to come out. 
I didn't have to do it, but that's how careful I wanted to be and how aware I was of who I am. I didn't want anyone to think, even hint anything. So I stopped myself. So the only other thing I'll leave you with is that, yeah, I think I'll stop there because we are who we are and we can't help that. But I think being aware, being sensitive to that, does that mean we have to change who we are? Of course not. But I do think being aware of it can now help us be better people and make people feel more comfortable around us. And also knowing that some people you can never change. And that's okay. One lady, I was at an event, as you all know, I speak around the globe about entrepreneurship. She said, oh, you're speaking too loud. I asked my team, I said, guys, is there any seats in the back? Because ma'am, I'm only going to speak louder. So you may want to sit in the back. And that's it. She didn't like it, but that's how I roll. I I knew I wouldn't stop speaking loud. So that's what I'd say. So you bring up a great point. And Amber, that is an excellent question. In one of my own personal experiences, I saw how it is essential that you take a step back and evaluate where someone may be coming from. There's a gentleman that I used to work with when I first came out of college, and one day I was walking down the hall. His name was Jay. He's like six foot four, and he shouts Uh out in the middle of the hallway, Hey, Norman, you want to go get some church's chicken? And my initial response would normally have been negative because I thought he might have been coming from a stereotype or making fun of me or had listened to a Chris Rock special or something like that. I politely declined, even though I was fire hot inside. Interestingly enough, I had a conversation with one of my coworkers later about how upset I was because I had assumed he was trying to clown me in front of everyone in the hallway. They said, you do realize Jay is from Alabama and eats fried chicken every Tuesday. He loves fried chicken and always asks whoever is in the hallway if they want to go get some fried chicken. So it had nothing to do with me. But if I had responded according to my initial assumptions about Jay's intent, yes. it would have affirmed the stereotype of an angry black man. So I had to set myself apart by responding very calmly to Jay, declining to go to lunch and then discussing the issue with one of my confidants so that I could understand where he was coming from. Because if I had responded according to how I felt when he first said it, I would have ended up on the news. Wow. Norman, that is such a great example, man. I bet you wanted to come back and say, no, uh, I'll take sushi, please, and tea. <laughs> no, but I hear you on that. You're, you're, you're so that's a, that's a great, great, and that you know, Norm, that's an ex- great example of being empathetic. Yep. And uh, having said that, to to to, I think it was Amber's point. I think it was Amber. I think, uh, yeah, to Amber's point, he could have been being stupid, being whether silly or insensitive. And then to Amber's point, you know, <laughs> what what do you do? I Meaning, assuming it, that was a, kind of an egregious case, but if they were being serious. That's a good moment of education. You know, quietly pull him in a room. Don't punch him in the throat yet. Just say, listen, you know what? I know I have dark skin, but uh, all of us don't eat fried chicken. Uh, but thanks for offering. And um, that's that. So good point. So, Amber, that question was yours. Did we answer it well enough to get to the heart of the issue you wanted us to address? You guys did. Um, thank you. I had another question because... Um, as an accounting major and going into the accounting industry, which is a predominantly male, white dominated industry, branding myself can actually be kind of difficult. And I get the whole work twice as hard to move as at equal pace, if you will. And by the way, Amber, Amber, twice as hard was last year. This year is four times. Go ahead, though. All right. So four times as hard. <laughs> um, how, if you will, is there any advice that you could give me about yes. coming into an industry where I know it's and accounting is very 
longevity. It's very long. It's it's a longevity type of industry. People work with clients for years and years and years. And it's a personal connection and relationship type of industry because it deals with money, it deals with finances, it deals with making moves toward the future. And it also deals with backtracking. It deals with personal information. So I wanted to know how could I myself, besides working in corporate America, but just in general, what stepping tools, stepping stones, stepping tools, if you will, would you give me to make that walk a little, maybe different, yeah. but a little less stressful, if you will? Yeah, great question. Great question. And I think that it goes back to probably some of the advice possibly that I've given just now. Um, and I think the biggest thing you can do, Amber, the biggest thing you can do as you're starting out is to rock on your job, because assuming there's stereotypes, assuming, so let, let me, let me give you another example. Let me give you an example first. Amber, do you know why oftentimes when I go on stage, I am always in a tie, most likely in a vest or very nice sweater or jacket. I'm that way. Now it's, it's getting less and less and it's not so consciously, it's more subconsciously, but because maybe since there's someone may not take me serious, I can't afford to wear flip flops and ripped jeans and curse and act stupid like others may can, who are maybe Caucasian or black. I just can't afford to do it because maybe there's a negative already against me when I hit the stage. So I already need to set the bar a bit higher. Now this is not very over, but since it's a very valid question you ask. So that's point one. You know, in your case, you can't afford to come in late. You can't afford to not be dressed very nicely. You can't afford to make mistakes. You just can't afford to do it because as you're saying, there's already no pun intended, a black mark against you. Having said that, where can Amber shine most? What talent has God given you that you own and rock? Maybe you can explain financial numbers to a client the best like nobody else can. You can sit with somebody like me who's not good in numbers and in 10 minutes tell me how to read a balance sheet. That is a skill set, Amber, that probably very few accountants have. They can talk in y'all little fancy lingo. You know what I'm saying, Norma? They get together and talk on the PL and L and EBITDA and all that cool stuff. <laughs> but Amber make it sound like butter. Can she make me go, oh, that's what it means to have profit. That's what Marcus Lamona means when he gone the profit. So I don't know what your skill set is, Amber, but if you can find what's your gem, that everybody's like, oh, guys, stop the meeting. We got to call Amber in. Let Amber do this. That is the biggest challenge I would give to you. Because if you don't, you'll be like everybody else. You'll be like the average everybody else. And to your point, as you said, plus you'll be being black. Mm -hmm. However, if you can find some way to shine that only you can do, that's a powerful force that nobody, nobody can take away from you. There's only one Steve Harvey. Only one. Nobody else can touch him. So I'd like to add my two cents as well, Amber. Ramon already mentioned that he compensates to ensure that people assume the right things about him before he even opens his mouth. He wears the vest. He wears the tie. He has the very, very professional appearance to avoid the negative assumption about him. That is something that I do as well, and it is definitely one approach that you want to keep in your toolbox. But there are two other things that I like to share with people. One of the things that I see a lot with people from different communities, whether we're talking about Indians, Nigerians, or Cubans, we tend to hang out with people that we are comfortable with. For example, when I was growing up, it was very, very rare for my parents to have co-workers come over to the house. 
The only people that spent time at our house were friends that they grew up with in Jamaica or people from our church. One of the things that we have to overcome and do a better job of is to network with our coworkers. So if having people outside of family over to your house is not something that you are comfortable with, for whatever reason, you can still make it work. You can go to lunch. You can go to happy hour. You can go to the same gym. You can go to Top Golf. There are so many different options. You do yourself a disservice if you draw a broad distinguishing line that separates everything that is work and personal. The people that get promoted, the people that get included are the ones that show up, the ones that network so that others know who you are and not just your name. People will share with you because of the relationships that you have built over lunch and happy hours. They will think about you when it comes time for promotions or who we should add on to this team. If you can communicate what you're doing and how you're doing it, that will be how you stand out. People can't see how well you do a spreadsheet. You have to speak up and communicate what the impact of the spreadsheet was or the tool that you created or whatever it was that you did in your office because your boss will have 10, 15, or 20 people that report to him or her. They will not be willing to stand in front of your office for an hour each day to watch what you're doing because they have things to do for themselves. So you will have to open your mouth Tell them what it was that you did and also be able to quantify in some shape or form the impact of the things you're working on so they can properly value your work. Wow, Norm. Hey, Amber, you got to put that on a, on a, on a T-shirt and a tweet, what Norm just said. Somehow, man, that is powerful. <laughs> what did you say? You can't, uh, nobody sees the work you did on the spreadsheet, something like that. You got to tweet that out. Wow, I love it, man. Okay, so I know you touched on the introvert and extrovert um, people, kind of. How do you... How will a person like an introvert get out of their comfort zone comfort zone like when trying to make their brand and in an interview and networking and things like that? That's a great question. Things like this, leveraging people like Norman to, to, to get out of the shell and do it. Not saying you are, but I mean, as an example, the interview, the, the show that you hear today compared to the show that you hear next year or three years You'll be embarrassed of today, not in a bad way. I will be embarrassed of myself, meaning my point clumsily saying is we all get better and better and better. That's my point. So I think doing things like this over and over and over, speaking at the local chamber where only five people came with a pile of stale donuts will rocket you to the place where they'll come with the $500 shrimp dinner or chicken, depending on if it's me and Norm, um, uh, Norman, um, uh, at an event. Y'all feel what I'm yeah. saying, right? I'm just having fun. But my point being, practice, practice, practice. When I look at my first speaking, Amber, it's, I feel like crying. I, I don't know why I'm tearing up. It is so sad. I thought, People probably thought I was like speaking another language. It was, even now I'm speaking fast. But I was, so my point is practice, Amber. So, intro, and the key is wanting to. The fact that you know, I'm quiet. I'm shy. I want to just sit here, as kind of Norman said before, and be a wallflower. But you say, nope, I'm not going to do it. I force myself to go beyond. Ramon, to wrap up the podcast, what is the one piece of advice or tip that you would like to share with somebody about what it is to stand out and create your own personal brand? Got it. If it was today, I would say intensely leverage the power of video and social media. That's point one. Point two, be yourself. Three, focus on who your core audience is. And fourth, be frequent. What are some of the common misconceptions about personal branding? Mm. 
Yeah, I think the common misconceptions are probably um, that you can do it fast. It doesn't, it, it's no, there's no fast way to personal branding. It takes time. I think too, that you'll automatically get rich if you have a strong personal brand. Um, and probably the third one is that personal brand means the whole world knows about me or, I, or I'm very famous. The key about successful personal branding is you become well-known for a particularly defined audience. There's only a few people who are Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jackson, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody else is more niche. Mike, uh, Simon Sinek, best-selling author. I bet many people don't know him. Uh, so my point is, is that it's the, the, the thing about personal branding is it's really niche, niche, niche. You're well-known in a very defined audience. Man, you are spot on with the example about Simon Sinek because up until a few years ago, I had never heard of him. But as right. soon as I hear his name now, I think about start with why or leaders eat last and know exactly what his message is and what he's about. And I bet there's a hundred people who you could mention who you'd be like, what? You don't know this person? Who I wouldn't know. That's just how it is. Ramon Ray taught us how to set ourselves apart from the crowd. He has a great example of standing out on his website where he introduces himself as someone that loves Aunt Jemima syrup on burnt pancakes with bacon and eggs. I want you to give some thought to what makes you special. It can be something as simple as what you eat to start off with, but I also want you to keep working to discover what it is that you do with other people that makes you the unique creation of God that you are. I think my favorite piece of advice was to create an elevator speech that, number one, starts off with the story. Number two, quickly makes a connection with someone in the audience. And number three, share with your audience why they should care about you, even if it's an audience of just one. Shoot Ramon and I a message on your favorite social media platform to let us know what you think. You can find Ramon on Twitter and Facebook at Ramon Ray and I on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rise Up Mentors. Thanks for listening to our show this week. If you want to learn more or listen to other episodes, you can go to riseupmentoring.com slash podcast. I'm Norman Brown, and you've been listening to the Rise Up Mentoring Podcast, where we believe if you listen today, you will succeed tomorrow. Tomorrow.